Hey everybody, uh, Pastor D here. Want to welcome you wherever you are to Connect Church. I want to say hello to, first of all, all our online viewers in our online platform. Also our Facebook live service. Uh, we've got people that are also meeting in watch parties in homes. Congratulations for doing that. I think that's special. I actually viewed one uh, last time, so I think that's so cool. And then all of our city groups. Come on, can I get a big shout at all the city groups? We're meeting in five locations right now. We're meeting in Milford and Marlboro, Natick and Framingham and Ashland. And I'm so happy that you are there uh, live and in person. So I believe that God has a special word just for you today. And so through this word that I'm going to just attempt to communicate on behalf of God, I pray that he speaks to you directly. Now listen, for those of you who are kind of catching up on the beginning of the new year, maybe this is your first service in the new year, we're in part two of a new series that uh, we've entitled God's Ways, W-A-Z-E. I'm sure you've heard of that app. Maybe some of you use that app, Ways. You know, it kind of helps you get directions to where you need to go. And I think we need, similarly, direction for our lives. And in order to figure out the directions for our life, the path for our life, the will of God for our life, we need this, um, this ability to discern uh, what God's will is. Which way should I go? Which exit should I take? Uh, is this a detour or is this the path, the perfect path and the road that God wants me to be on? And so we're in this series, God's Ways. And we talked last week about discovering the path for your life and some of the framework of that. And I want to introduce today's topic. And so if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, uh, because note-takers are, come on, city groups, you know this. Those of you online, watch parties, if you're part of Kinect, note-takers are, yeah. Write it in the chat, history makers, history makers, okay? But today's message is entitled, Listen to Your Heart. I think of this song by this uh, female rock band, and that was one of the chorus lines, Listen to Your Heart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm an 80s lover, so bear with it. But anyway... Here's our theme text today, and then we're going to pray. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, here's the key verse that we're going to unpack today. For it is God who works in you. Come on, everybody say that with me. God works in you, in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Would you pray with me, everybody? Uh, just join me. Father, I just pray for every person that's listening that somehow um, through these few minutes together that you would do something special, uh, something personal, something even profound in the hearts and minds of all the people that are listening. Maybe they're listening later through a YouTube um, view. Maybe they're uh, you know, shared this from a friend, uh, somebody shared it with them and they're listening now, but maybe they're listening live. And so I pray that you be live and in person to them and that you would speak to their hearts through this message as we talk about listening to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, there's this um, author, his name was uh, Gordon Smith, and uh, he posed these two questions about a kind of discerning questions about God's will. And he basically says that every person who loves God and follows God has to answer these questions. So let me give you these questions, okay? And it'll kind of frame the day. 
Uh, the first question is, what do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context of the challenge and opportunities you are facing? What do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context of the challenges and opportunities you are facing? So think about that. Number two, question. What indicators give you confidence that is it indeed Jesus who is speaking to you and not someone or something else? Now, when those two questions um, come to the forefront of your mind, the windshield of your life, um, first of all, it's worth some reflection. It's worth some consideration. But instead of living and doing God's will, um, we often are living and doing someone else's will or something else instead of God's will. And so one of the most important tasks for us as Christ followers is to be able to discern God's will. And I would add this little proviso right now, where we are right now in your life at this point, in this stage in 2021. Because this year, I promise you, like last year, you're gonna to have to make some really, really important decisions. So whether you're a high school student, a college student, whether you are a continuing ed person, whether you're married, young families, not married yet, but wanna be married, whether you're retired or getting ready to retire or elderly, you're gonna to have to make some important decisions. And you're gonna need a tool, you're gonna to need a a filter for those decisions. You know, should I um, move to Florida? The answer is yes. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody thinks that in the wintertime, right? Should I send my kids to public school or private school? Well, obviously private school. No, I'm just kidding, but not really because we have a private school, so I would say that. But what do you do? How do you discern that for yourself? What subject should I major in in college? And should I take this job or not take this job? Should I continue in this relationship that I'm in right now? Or should I tell this guy, you know, to the left, you know, give him a little Beyonce, you know, you know to the left, buddy. Or, you know, or, or whatever the questions are, whatever those things are, you're going to have to make these decisions and we're going to need discernment. This series in its most simplest form, if it was one word, you know, it's discernment. How do we discern what's going on? So 2020 was a year of lots of those decisions where we needed discernment. How equipped were you for those? How many things could have been, um, uh, you know, how many decisions could have been better? How many outcomes could have been better for you? And so what do you think about 2021? Do you think it's going to be easier? Do you think it's going to be harder? Do you think it's going to be, you know, just a, a walk in the park? I doubt it, everybody. And so I think it would have helped if you could learn how to discern better. That's what this is about. Now, uh, consequently, especially for those of you called Connect Your Home, so those of you, um, you know, who are really engaged in the, in, the, in the family of Connect, we're starting a fast. So on this very night, we're starting our first prayer meeting, and we're going on a 21-day journey together. And so if you need more information on the fast, go to our website. There's resources for you. There's a, our kind of our original version prayer guide that can help you and so you can engage fully. But what I want to mention is um, our theme for the fast is more of Jesus. And we all need more of that. Um, but to get um, some of this message material and some of the content of last week, I want to encourage you to implement it into your season of prayer and fasting. So during this 21 days, there should be certain things that you're presenting before the Lord that you need wisdom from, that you need Him to speak to you about, that you need to know God's will for. I pray that you can learn some things from last week, this week, and the coming weeks in this series that you can put into practice in your season of prayer and fasting. Now, as a pastor, you know, I've had to discern a lot 
uh, probably more last year than any other year, you know, uh, we were dealing with issues and they were so uh, weighty and they were so, in a sense, urgent social issues. Whew, that was a big one last year. We talked about um, kind of the end times. Are we in those and what's going on? We talked about, you know, finances and emotional issues and emotional health last year quite a bit. And I just got to tell you that if it wasn't for some of the things that I'm talking to you about today, uh, I, I couldn't have gotten through that. I needed discernment to know what to do, how to do it, and where to go. So what, again, is before you this year? What are you holding before the Lord that needs discernment? Because when we make decisions, we talked about this last week, there's two kinds of people, right, in general. There are people who are discerning, but never deciding. There are people who are, um, you know, um, processing and praying and, and, and they uh, just thinking about it and getting counsel, but they're never, never deciding. Uh, often because maybe they don't have enough instruction on how to actually decide. Often because they didn't see the human like role modeling on how to do those things well. That can be part of it. Then you have on the other hand, my dad used to say, then there again on the other hand, you have people who are deciding but never discerning. These people are more reactive, impulsive, and uh, knee-jerk in their responses to some of the stresses, the decisions that are, the choices that are before them. And oftentimes those same people don't see the outcomes they want. There's bad news or there's some kind of mistake. And then we're like, God, you know, what's up? Or could you still bless it? You know, we want them to still bless it when we were deciding and we weren't discerning. Where we need to go is we need to get to a place, because neither of those are the best way to do it. We need to get to the place where we're um, deciding from a place of discernment. We decide from a place of discernment or prayerful discernment. And again, I want to encourage you to join us in the season of prayer and fasting. Now, I gave a definition of discernment last week. Are you guys with me right now? I hope you're engaged. Just, just kind of lean in a little bit, because it's going to get increasingly more focused as we go forward. Last week I gave you a discernment kind of definition. I want to give you a little more focused one or like a newer one today. Uh, discernment defined is to make a decision fundamentally between the voice of Jesus and all of those other competing voices that are trying to capture, speak to, arrest your heart and mind. It's, it's being able to distinguish between those two, the heart, the heart, you know, and the mind are preoccupied with so many things. Is it with the voice of Jesus? Is it other competing voices? And so um, one of the things that is, it, it's a little difficult is I can't just give you one answer to how we discern the things of God. And so discernment is fundamentally a multi-layered process. And so I've been laying out these different facets of it in week one, again, learning to discern the path of God. Uh, we're going to talk about discerning in kind of the heart, and we're going to talk about the importance of prudence and wisdom, and next week I'm going to call it using your head. Like we didn't check our brains at the door when we became uh, Christians. And then we're going to talk about how to not only discern, not just to decide, but how to do the will of God. But for the remaining time, let's get into this learning to listen to our hearts. How do we listen to our hearts? What do I mean? How do we integrate um, our heart's desires, our feelings, our passions into the discernment process, finding the will of God? 
And I think today's passage that I read at the beginning gives us some guidance. Um, the Bible is, doesn't like an answer book or a textbook on every subject where you can turn to page 186 and it'll say, here's what you need to know about discernment. It doesn't do that. But it does give us, in essence, um, some clues, some breadcrumbs, I like to say principles for our decision making. And I think they're really, really helpful. And so Philippians 2.13 again, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Paul summarizes the Christian experience with kind of a word. He basically says, obedience. He says, he says, we're basically saying we're called to listen to the voice of God, yes, but also to obey. And then he basically, he says, he's basically saying, are you following him? Because he says, as you have always obeyed, are you? Am I? Am I always obeying his voice? And then after that, um, importance of obedience, he says, now continue to work it out. Uh, God who is working in you, he says, he says, before that, he says, to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say um, that you work for your salvation. No, he says you work it out. You don't work for it. You work it out. And so the Christian life, yes, it's a sacred one. It's to be taken seriously. And, and we're supposed to you know, do these things, the Bible says, with fear and trembling and kind of have a, not a fear of God, but a holy awe of God. But he basically says um, that you have to work it out. You gotta, it's, 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 not, it's not work for, but it's work, uh, work f uh, for your salvation. But salvation, after you have received that, now you're working for God. Now you're doing works for God. And so then in verse 13, though, key verse again, it's God who's working in you, in you. This is kind of a little wordplay because he's essentially saying you are to work at it because God is working in you. God is work it out because God is working in. That's what he's saying. There's this partnership. There's this hand in glove relationship. There's this inside outside connection. He's working on the inside while you're working on the outside. And then what happens, it, it, it begins this process to will and to do in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me try to summarize a little bit of that. Okay. Paul is saying that God uh, through His presence, through His love, through His Holy Spirit, is at work in you. He's at work in us. And so if God is working in you, He's in essence working in your heart. Not your blood-pumping physical heart, your spiritual heart. He's working in you. And so write this down. This is the first thing I want you to know about how God is working in you. Number one, God is working in you at all times, stirring your heart. He's stirring your heart to do His will. Paul, he, Paul's basically saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is always at work and he's addressing, in essence, the inner material of our lives to will and to do his good purposes. And this leads me to an important um, exchange about our hearts that I think some of you will connect with and some of you maybe not as much. But for those of you who are churchgoers, you grew up in the church, you kind of, you know, one of those pew people. <laughs> um, you might have heard teachings about the heart in your past and fundamentally your inability to trust your heart. 
right? Do you know what I'm talking about, some of you out there? In other words, we heard that the heart is deceptive and it'll lead you astray and we can't trust it. Because we heard, there's a scripture in the Bible, Pastor, talks about this. In Jeremiah chapter 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's what it sounds like. It's just this morbid, dark kind of scripture. And so many have counseled and many have conveyed, you can't trust your heart. Don't listen to it. Um, and, and why? Because it, it, it's, it's beyond cure. It's beyond cure. And so question, is the heart good or is the heart bad? Yes. Yes. Is it bad or good? Yes. It depends. And let me try to unpack this for you because many have been given that aspect of truth. And I think it's incomplete or maybe even bad theology, I would say. It's too narrow at the very least. I believe, and this is a truth, you can write this down, you can trust your heart, parentheses, if, close parentheses. If Ezekiel 36 and New Testament revelation is your reality. Let me give you Ezekiel 36. This is a counterpunch to the Jeremiah 17, 9 theology, okay? Ezekiel 36, this was a prophecy. God to man says, I will give you, you, me, a new heart. Everybody out there, come on, in all the, all the online chat in the city group say, God's going to give me a new heart, a new heart. And he's going to put a new spirit in you. I love that. And I will remove from your heart of stone, you from your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you. See, we are, until we receive Jesus, we are, um, we're kind of like, we're, you know, we're not fully alive. We have not been quickened. We have not been regenerated uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, kind of separates us, as my daddy used to say, from the monkeys and the penguins is we have a soul. But for that soul part of us to come alive, it comes alive by the Holy Spirit while we receive what Jesus did for us. Then he gives us a new heart and then he gives us a new spirit. And look what happens. I'll put my spirit in you and I'll move you. I'll move you to follow my decrees and to be careful, attentive to keep my laws or do my will. See, listen, this verse is fulfilled for those who have received what Jesus did. And then the Holy Spirit, who's really the agent of change, comes into our heart and he gives us a new heart and he gives us a new spirit. So he doesn't say a perfect heart. He says a new heart. So this is the second truth. God gives you a new heart. So you don't have this dark you know, beyond cure, desperately wicked. No, because God has begun to do a work in you. There's an inside job that is underway. It is a heart that's perfect. No, absolutely not. But it is new, and that means it is capable of discerning and even essential in discerning the will of God. Are you tracking with me out there? So when you accept what Jesus did and when you receive what he did by grace through faith, you have this new capacity, this new capability, and I submit to you this essential muscle, spiritual muscle to discern the will of God. But many of us have a negative attitude about what our hearts are like and what God is 
able or not able to do inside of us. And so I want you to know you can listen to your heart. You can trust your heart. Number two, write this down. But there's some, there's some depends. There's some ifs to this. N- number two, um, you can listen to your heart as an important part of the discerning process. Okay? So here's, here's how a little bit more. St. Augustine, next to the Apostle Paul, is known as probably one of the greatest theologians of the world today. And he had this phrase. He said, love God and do whatever you please. Whoa. Love God and do whatever you want? Is that what you're hearing? No. He qualifies it and he follows up and he says, you can love God and do whatever you please. But then he says, it's because the soul trained to love God will do nothing to offend the one that is beloved. The soul trained to love God will do nothing to offend the one who is Beloved. Let me say it a different way. Another scripture for this. Uh, David, our psalmist, says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So we now see that we can listen to um, God coming through the interior or the inner parts of our life because he and he wants to speak to our heart and if we delight in him and if we love him we wouldn't do anything to offend him if we delight in him psalm 37 4 he actually changes the desires of our heart to be in accordance with his will and so god coming through the interior of our lives gives us the right desires but it's still difficult sometimes to and even dangerous sometimes to discern our hearts You know, I had a conversation with a member of this church about a decision that she had to make regarding a vocational change. And she was actually invited to work for another church versus stay where she was. And I asked her a simple series of questions because I could see that, you know, she was troubled. I said, did you enjoy what you're doing right now? She says, yes. I said, do you feel at peace where you are right now? She said, yes. I said, if you take this job, not having full passion for it, even experience for it, how would you feel? She said, I'd feel pretty uncomfortable and kind of uncertain and not even sure I'd like it. And I said to her, so what's the problem? And interestingly enough, she responded by saying, I think, Pastor, if it's God's will, I think it has to be God's will if I don't want to do it. I was like, hmm, very interesting. See, I think many of us think similarly, if we're honest, we think that it's only God if I don't want to do it. I want to just continue to unravel, eradicate even that notion from last week even to this week. See, many of us have at the core of our theology this kind of thinking. We, we dealt with this last week. We see this in the Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, you know, Jonah was called by God to go to the Ninevites and preach to them, and he didn't want to do that. That's what God wanted for him. And, and I, I think that's how we are. We build our theology sometimes around, you know, I don't want to do it. Must be God. This is terrible. You know, it must be God because it's terrible. But that is too narrow a way to discern God's will. That's not the right way to filter God's will. Um, There are people in your lives and they get into these, you guys know these people, they get into these relationships and they dive in and it's just fast and furious and they're just all about him and they're all about her. and, And people, I think, need a theology for discerning their heart and their feelings and their emotions relationally. And and so how does this all integrate into the discernment process? See, so remember, God is stirring our hearts and he, to do His will. 
He's always doing that, number one. This stirring is an important, of your heart is an important part of the process. But at the same time, there are these forces at work that want to stop and stifle the will of God. There's going to picture that's going to pop up on the screen. And I'm sure you've seen or you remember or you've thought about this image, you know, where in essence there's an angel on one shoulder and then there's the devil on another. This one saying, don't do it. It wouldn't be wisdom. It's not, wouldn't be prudent. And this one saying, do it, do it, do it. You know, go for it. This battle rages within us all. And we all might be categorically sometimes good at discerning maybe in our finances, but not good at discerning in our relationships and so and vice versa. So what happens is uh, when you have these desires um, and, and, and when you can't make sense of it, what, what are you feeling right there? What do you need to do? Third kind of piece of wisdom. That's why we need to have or we must have a discerning of spirits between kind of these these struggles that we have between the flesh, the carnal, and the spirit. And, and, and how, do, how do we discern those things? And so we must have a discerning of spirits. I want to try to unpack it this way. What do you do when things are pulling you from God and away from Him or, or sometimes towards Him? We need this discerning of spirits. And I think we can discern it three ways uh, biblically. The first way, if you're taking notes, is we need to discern if this, the spirit the Spirit doctrinally. We need to discern the Spirit doctrinally. 1 John 4, 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Then he says this, but test the spirits. Everybody say test. Okay. To see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now in this context, false prophets were basically saying that Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead. And so we have this dangerous doctrine being perpetuated. And so... We need, he needed to advise them to discern kind of uh, doctrinally uh, what was going on, this spirit, and we have to test it. The second thing that we can do in the discerning of spirits is we need to discern the spirits demonically. Now that's kind of a heavy duty one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 tells us that there is this gift of the discerning of spirits. I actually think that's one of the things that I, one of my gifts is the discerning of spirits. This Fundamentally it's the ability to clearly recognize and distinguish between the evidence of God and the evidence of Satan. Who's influencing who? What, what is cult, what is, what's influencing this environment? So sometimes to d- discern what's going on, we need to discern it demonically. The, th- the third thing is we need to discern things directionally. Directionally. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it's not in your notes, but it says, test everything and hold on to what is good. So how do we discern this? Well, I think we need kind of some true false questions. Uh, to know that it's the right spirit. A true spirit, fundamentally, simply put, within you is pulling you towards God. A false spirit is pulling you away from God. So we discern spirits doctrinally. We discern spirits uh, uh, spiritually, the discerning of spirits, which is a gift. We discern spirits directionally by these true false questions. These are the three ways we do that. But another way... We see how God works in the interior of our lives and reveals the will of God in this discerning process and and helps us kind of separate what's going on inside us. And these are two big words, so hang on here, is kind of separating between, uh, I learned this from uh, Rich Velotis, he's a pastor in Brooklyn, discerning between consolations 
and desolations. All right, so let me try to unpack that, but I'll do, I'll do that with this fourth principle for you, okay? We have to discern, write this down, and separate between positive and a negative disposition, all right? So we have to separate kind of and discern between, again, positive and a negative disposition. So disposition, it's really referring more, less about a feeling, but more about a state of being, a state of being. And so as we discern, you know, whether we should, you know, go for this job change or, or a marriage potential candidate or a financial decision or a place to live, we have to carefully examine this state of being, and the state of being can be ter- determined by these two words, co- the consolations of our heart and the desolations of our heart. In other words, what's happening inside of my heart, God fundamentally wants to give you and me a revelation in our heart about what to do. Uh, a revelation is like uh, an inspiration from God, an, an aha, oh yes, I witness to that, that makes sense to me, it feels solid to me, something I can stand on. And so what typically happens is we look for God to speak to us externally, externally. We want, <laughs> we love him to show up with an angelic visitation. In fact, I used to say things like, unless God shows up himself or sends me an angel, I won't or I don't. Okay. Now, does God speak externally to us? Yes, of course. Do I believe it's possible? Yes. Uh, not as directly maybe for, for most as he once did, let's say, in the Old Testament. But God definitely can speak to us externally and guide us. But sometimes we can get preoccupied. Listen and even deceived by our uh, pursuit of and preoccupation with God speaking to us externally. So a point of case, example, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of what prophecy, or even more specifically, a personal prophecy. I was exposed, you know, being in kind of a charismatic church growing up to almost a movement, which can become an excess towards something of everybody looking for God to speak to them and give them a personal prophecy. And so everybody be going to church trying to find and trying to get some person with the gift of prophecy to speak a word over them. And why? Why were they doing that? Well, they were trying to determine the will of God for their life in an accelerated, accentuated, maybe punctuated way Um, in the form of a personal prophecy. And let me just be clear. I believe in that. I have had personal prophecies spoken to me and then confirmed by another person, another person, sometimes two, three, four times, confirming, listen though, what God had already revealed to my heart. And I believe that is one of the purposes and necessary qualifications of prophecy. It should be confirmation more so than direction. And so I have this caution and this concern when we are discerning the will of God for our life and what's going on inside of us is that many of us aren't even paying attention to what's going on inside of us. And so while God does speak to us from the outside, we often wait for something out here which really produces spiritual laziness at some point, instead of listening and discerning, what is God doing in here? Are you listening to me, everybody? I hope you're leaning in on this. So in fact, 
The risk for some of us spiritually of going off course, being misdirected, being misinformed, being ultimately discouraged, disenfranchised, and even want to resign in some cases to the faith and because we have been following a path by what someone said on the outside instead of what he said to us on the inside. We're following good ideas and we haven't received the God idea for our life. And so we'll take and listen to the quick moment at the altar instead of learning to discern, come on somebody, the will of God for our lives as He speaks to our heart. There's a better way for some of you and that's why I want to encourage you to grow spiritually this year. So we have these tensions between consolations and desolations and Again, that's about a spiritual status. And so, are we moving toward God? Are we moving away from God? Now, consolations, um, let me try to unpack that. It's like when you're focusing more outwardly towards others, you're, this is the disposition. You're generous, you're, you, you have internal joy, you have peace, uh, maybe about something, maybe about someone uh, you, that you need, a thing that you need a decision for. You might feel bonded, uh, some kind of kinetic, kinsmanship, you might have a new idea, a new vision, new energy, uh, you, you feel a restoration of balance. These are kind of feelings, um, um, or this is kind of the disposition of consolation. Now here's how it plays out, okay? More specifically, um, you might meet someone you're a young lady and you meet this guy and oh he's so cute and I see God in him in his baby blues and 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 whatever they're new and they're shiny and you're so excited and they inspire you and they encourage you and they bring the best out of you and that you see they see greatness in you and you see greatness in them and you feel so much joy and you think he's the one and then you go and you talk to Pastor Devin and he asks you one question and he says what's his last name and you don't know, okay? And it's all of a sudden, the brakes come on and what, what's going on there? You feel this sudden check. So what do we do when the consolations of our heart might also be a little mixture in there, a little misdirected, okay? Here's what you do. You have to test it before you decide it. Write this down. You have to test it before you decide it. How do you listen to your heart and what's going on in there and what you feel and what you're excited about, what you're certain about? You have to test it before you decide it. So in a relationship, you know, it should be, you know, if you're going, you're, if you're dating, you know, uh, it should be leading to something. And so I heard someone say, he gave some great advice. I was just giving this uh, to one of my daughters. And he said, you know, if you're gonna date someone, you should, this is how you can test it. He said, you should be with them for four seasons in different settings. Four seasons in different settings. In other words, that's a good test. That's a good test period. So maybe you feel great and he's the one and she's the one and all that, but have you tested it? What does that test look like? Go through some different seasons. Get to see them in, you know, you know, the summertime, get to see them in the wintertime, get to see them with your friends or with your family. You get to see them in these different settings. Test it before you decide it. Let's change arenas. Let's say it's a job offer that you got and you, or, or a house that you're getting ready to buy or something like that. Oh, well, it's the house I always wanted. It must be God. It's the job uh, I always wanted. It's more money. It must be God. And I would just say those are common interpretations. Remember we talked about this last week, pros and cons. I would come back to this. Consolations of the heart. Test it before you decide it. In other words, don't check your head at the door in the discerning process. Always, always, always pay attention to the inward condition of the mind and the will and the emotions, but please, please, please check it.
Now on the other side, you have desolations. Desolations um, is, is there, there are these relationships that you might have that currently stink. I mean, they just, the job conditions are horrible, they're bad, and that you want out, and um, there's, there's something that just, just gets high pressure in your life. And when this is the case, how do you feel in that situation, if you're honest? How are you interpreting how you feel? See, in desolations, what's happening is you're inward focused. You're more thinking about yourself. You're more, I call it limb picking. You're, you have this more inclined or consensus to give up. You're more drained of energy internally. Uh, you're more, um, your negativities are stronger. You're, you're, you're maybe willing to even walk away pretty quickly from something that you've been a part of for a long time. You're pulling away from others. Are you guys getting me? That's desolations. And so what do you do? You have to check it before, before you make decisions. So the rule with consolations is test it before you decide it. With desolations, the rule is wait for it before you do it. Wait for it before you do it. Consolations, test it before you decide it. Desolations, wait for it before you do it. How many times, let me ask you a question, lean in. How many times have you made a decision in desolation? How many times you were just so frustrated, you're just like, you know, you didn't like how they treated you and you quit your job and then you're driving home like, I don't even have enough gas to get home. And you're like, what did I do? You made a decision in desolations. How many times have you done that? In my case, I can think of a lot of examples where I've done that. What do I, what do I need to do? I need to let those feelings pass. I need to hit pause. I need to wait. You know what I tell people a lot of times when they're going through a horrible situation, and this happens quite a bit in ministry, I get to be front and center with them. A husband's cheated on a wife. A wife, you know, has a just a desperate physical problem. They don't know what they're... What people a lot of times do is they make major decisions in those desolate places. And it's like, I would say, I call it the white water raft principle. Don't make major decisions when you're knocked out of the boat in white water. You know, if you were in a river in white water, that they would just tell you, don't struggle, don't try to swim, don't try, just put your arm up and trust your captain to guide you out. I wanna encourage you wherever you are right now, you need, you're going through a tough time, you've got some tough decisions, wait on the Lord before you decide it. Put your arm up and say, God, I need you to help me in this situation, in this circumstance that I'm in right now, and don't make a, a problem worse than it already is. Many pastors in 2020, quit because of 2020 and they were fourth and one from a breakthrough in their life. Listen, the takeaway is consolation, test it before you decide it. In desolation, wait for it before you do it. And the rule of thumb should be something like this. The bigger the decision, the more time you need for discernment. The bigger the decision, the more time you need. One of my mentors says, you know, bigger problems, bigger margins. Bigger problems, bigger margins. Any more Derek, you need more pranking time, my daddy used to say. You need to be praying and thinking because you're facing and feeling and carrying bigger problems. Listen, Paul says, as I conclude, God is at work in you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. God is stirring your heart. God wants your heart to be a part of this discernment process. God wants to help you discern the spirits doctrinally, directionally, even demonically what's going on. Listen, God wants to help you separate between consolations and desolations. And he wants to teach you how to test it and how to wait for it before you decide it 
and before you do it. Now, with every head bowed, every head closed, wherever you are, in the city groups, in Milford, Natick, Marlborough, and, and uh, in, in Ashland as well, I want to just encourage you to just kind of lean in right now. Would you just close your eyes? Those of you that are online, those of you at a watch party, don't get distracted right now. Just kind of lean in. So it, it, you, you need this. This will help you in a big way. Because if you walk out of here with nothing, I hope you walk out of here with this, that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have been given a new heart. You have been given a new spirit and God is at work inside of you. Now, if you're here and you're listening and you are not certain that God has given you a new heart and a new spirit and you're not certain that he's working inside of you, he can. I want to help you with that. I want to invite you to connect with Jesus Christ today so he can begin to do that work inside of you. Because once you invite him in, he'll begin to speak to you. When you talk to him, you'll begin to have a conversation, not just a monologue with God. So this is an invitation right now, wherever you are, to just kind of slow down, just kind of pay attention, to kind of listen to your heart. Maybe he's, maybe he's speaking to you right now. Yep, pastor's talking to me. That guy's talking to me. I'm ready to make that decision. So wherever you are, just close your eyes. Would you just say this? Just say, that's me. I want to invite Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus Today is the day of salvation for me. Today, I invite you into my heart. I want to learn how to listen to my heart, but I want you leading my heart. So give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit. I trade my old heart, my old life out, and I ask that you make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says for you, and that is happening right now in Jesus' name, wherever you are. I thank you, God, that everybody that prayed that prayer sincerely confessed it with their mouth and believed it in their heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, you are saved. And I celebrate with you because you just made that decision. That was the biggest decision you can make in your life. And for those of you who are already saved, now you're listening to your heart and you know how to listen to your heart and follow the voice of God and discern His will for your life. If you just made that decision, I want to encourage you to text that message that you just did that. First of all, raise your hand and say, that was me. I just made that decision. And I want you to text to CC saved 97,000. Text CC saved to 97,000. Now here's what's going to happen. For those of you online in the watch parties, that's specifically for you, particularly for you. We're going to send you a book in the mail. It's called What to Do Next. It is the ways for the God's ways for your life. It's going to be a roadmap for your life. It's going to help you on where to go. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, or if you need prayer, I'm going to just ask that the leaders at the different locations, the different campuses, you come down front right now and just be present. Listen, don't leave today without asking God, you know, for help and maybe having somebody pray for you. We're not going to lay hands on you. We're going to lay hands near you and we'll do that safely. We won't do anything without your permission, but we do want to pray for you. So engage, engage with the leaders, engage with the people that are there at those city groups today. Let somebody pray for you and um, just agree with you because we believe there is power in prayer. Now listen, tonight we start our prayer and fasting. So whether you can do it online with us or you do it in person, don't miss a chance to start your year right. January 10th to January 29th, 21 days. It'll culminate in an all church encounter service on the 29th. This is one of the most powerful services we have in the year. Don't miss 
this opportunity to start your year right. I hope this message has blessed you in a big way. I've been really strengthened by it myself and I pray that came through to you today. God bless you. Share this. Give this away. Tell other people about it because it's going to help a lot of people, not just you. And that's a great way to get it in you even more when you give it away to somebody else. God bless you. I'll see you uh, next week online uh, or in person at a city group in the future. Amen.